G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 32 of the Outback Mine podcast. Awesome man, Peter Both is my special guest tonight. So now... Many of you from Western Victoria may know Peter Both, a young man, I want to say young man, he's probably 45, 46 now, um, sort of grew up alongside him in some ways through a bit of sport and so forth, and um, Bothy's got a really interesting story to, uh, to tell us. Um, Bothy, uh, yeah, pretty uh, interesting uh, young character, pretty flighty uh, young guy, um, and basically... Had a bit of a, an issue with drinking. Uh, he's a drug and alcohol counsellor primarily, so he's counselling people to to manage drug and alcohol um, issues. But he also had a bit of a thing going on himself, and um, we're going to talk more about that. But Bothy was courageous enough um, a while ago to stop drinking. He's he's been off uh, off it for over a year now, and what I'm really impressed about with Bothy is he actually like started to. Uh, put a bit of effort into it and actually um, start to manage his uh, his cravings and so forth really well through cycling. So he actually took up cycling a while ago, and I think in the last 12 months he rode something like 8,000 kilometres, um, which is an unbelievable effort. And now he's uh, an extremely fit, uh, charismatic young guy that's thinking clear, uh, and he's really doing some great things in his own community. To be able to... Well, unconsciously, basically, I should say that he's not he's probably not aware of the good things he's actually doing and the, the positive influence influence that he's having on others. Um, but uh, yeah, with 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 that, I believe other people are starting to sort of pay attention to what Peter's actually done, and maybe that uh, maybe something that they can bring into their own lives. Whether that be riding a bike, um, they don't need to do it for so many kilometres, or just do something that actually makes some changes to save. Save those habits, um, change those habits that, uh, that we've all sort of got stuck within us, a lot of us. So, you know, Peter's been really courageous to do that. And I was really, um, really impressed uh, to sort of watch his journey over the last year or two and where he sort of got to now. So he really deserves this podcast to tell his story. So I'm really grateful for him, uh, for him coming along. Just wanted to make a special mention to Green Nutritionals who support this podcast. Uh, they do wonderful things with regards to supplying our body with the right nutrients to get our bodies and minds back into balance again. Uh, if you'd like to check out their website, I really uh, recommend their stuff. And I don't do that lightly. I don't uh, I don't say uh, a good word on a product unless it's really genuine. This stuff's a real deal. So the website is greennutritionals.com.au if you'd like to check them out. And also we get a bit of support from B Primal if you want to check their website out. So it's the letter B Primal.com.au. They make or they, they supply um, really awesome uh, minimalist footwear, which I believe a lot of us should be wearing because our, our feet are denatured with the way that we're walking these days. And they're sort of getting us back to basics, particularly with kids' shoes. So a good thing to, to look at there. Without further ado, we'll get Peter on and uh, and uh, start his journey. Thanks for joining us, guys. Peter Both, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. G'day, Aaron. Yes, and thanks for having me. No worries, mate. It's a real pleasure to have you on here. Um, I never thought I'd be doing this, and you'd be probably thinking the same thing. And uh, we've known each other for quite a while, and um, it's amazing that we're actually having a conversation about well-being. How you know we've both come from such a, an unhealthy lifestyle, and yep. um, you know we, we sort of got tied up in knots for a lot of years as young blokes, and then sort of got tied up a lot in knots a lot of years as adults, and we 
sort of were pretty confused with uh, with our, our physical and mental health. Now we're sort of been able to map that out a bit and start to, uh, you know, do our own things to help our own well-being. But I guess that's able to help others as well. So it's really tremendous that you can get on here and share your story, mate. Yes, cool. No problems at all. Hey, um, tell us a bit about yourself. So growing up, you know, where it was, how it sort of panned out through primary, high school, and, and uh, we'll sort of weave it into it from there. Okay, so born and bred up until 12 years of age in Murray Bridge in South Australia. Mm-hmm. So school for me was in a private school. Um, had to get myself to school most days and home from school, so it's a bit different from today's transportation with school. Mm-hmm. Um, weekends was football, going with the parents to the local football team at Talon Bend. Yeah. So from a young age, when we, if we want to focus on alcohol there, I mean, I was exposed to it from... But I, from when I remember, I would have been four and five from memory when I think of when I was there running around between Dad's legs. Yeah, right. Um, beer falling down onto your head sort of thing and hanging off his pockets to get a packet of twisties and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, sounds familiar. And, um, yeah, so I spent every weekend, it was in the, sum, in the, in the, um, in the winter months at, you know, uh, football. And then in the summer, it was down in the river uh, skiing, sailing, barbecues, um, of course, drinking. So from a young age, exposed and developed my own drinking, I guess, culture from a very young age, as they mm. say it is evidence-based. You learn that between zero and seven. Yeah. And um, so we moved from there anyway with family to Swan Hill. Dad's with his work. That didn't last long, three years there, then moved to Horsham. I moved here in um, term four, uh, year seven. Yeah, right, okay. So, so I, I moved around a few schools. So from I went from Murray Bridge about grade four to Swan Hill to start grade four there. Did grade four, five and six and then missed a lot of school through year seven. I didn't really do year seven until term four mm-hmm. because of parental separation. Right. And um, just um, I just didn't want to go to school. So. Okay. so I missed actually the first three terms, I think it was in the end. Mate, unbelievable. No, very, very poor memory I have of school from them from them younger years. Mm. Um, I was actually physically abused from the from the nuns. Um, so if you were naughty, you got slapped and strapped with a with a cane. Mm. I have memories of school being around the trauma of abuse and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I don't have any memory of school primary school of learning. So counting one, two, three, obviously, and reading. Mm. Memory-wise, nuns taught us at primary school, so nuns used to abuse us as well. Mm. Um, so you used to get hit a lot with strap, cane. Um, if you were late to class, you'd get, you'd get to sit up straight. If you weren't, you'd get strapped. Mm. When, I, when I exposed this to my parents later on in life, um, they weren't aware of it. Obviously, that was just the culture the school had at the time, mm. discipline towards children. And then it was, yeah, just escalated from there into my into secondary school. I was just a naughty kid, really. Mm. And um, don't really have much of a good memory of school except for playing with friends, really. Mm. Uh, the teachers and I never got along. Mm. I hated school, but I went. And um, so my, my life around school education, moving towns, I didn't have any friends mm. and um, because of the moving of towns. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I fitted in. Yeah. So I was, had bullying in, when I was in Swan Hill, bullying when I was obviously a young age in, in Horsham. Mm. And um, 
that's all my memories of growing up is just hard knocks rough from uh, what primary school to early secondary. Yeah, mate. Did, did any any teachers, anyone actually ask you why you're behaving like this? No. Nah. Yeah. No, nah, nah, nothing like it is nowadays where they do actually nut kids out and trying to work out what's going on. Mm. Um, well, it's all I can really remember from my younger days. Um, and my parents and stuff with, with foot, football, um, obviously the culture of alcohol, um, the country football, country towns, the alcohol is just in the culture. That's just what they do. Mm. Um, it's just an alcohol-developed society where they rely on it for socialisation. Yeah. Tell me, mate, uh, after school, what did you do? After school? I, I left off did year 12, so yeah. I finished right up to, obviously, getting my VCE. Left school with no job, really. Mm. Um, went out to Whale Nursery to do a like a course working for the doll was but for 12 months i learned a lot uh, it was a leadership course in the end so i learned how to obviously propagate plants from a seed working as a team um did that for 12 months out of wild nursery out of town near dimbula here so i actually really really enjoyed it mm. um so and then from there after that i'd become a plasterer's laborer right and um i did that for about a year and then i broke my leg playing football Right, okay, I didn't know that. And so, yeah, broke the tibia, got kicked in the shins, so it's, it's, it snapped. So I was nine months in the cast of plaster, so while I was in the cast of plaster, I worked in the office at the place where I was working in the plastering sector. What company was that, mate? Uh, Kareen's, Kareen's oh, yeah. Horsham. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. so I was there for about 10 to 12 years in the end. Mm. And then I, le- then I left there to work for Dolson's building supplies, selling plaster. Yep. Um, so 16 years in total selling plaster, mm. and um, I, you know I liked it. It was great. It was just what I was. I formed a lot of friendships and people that I still am friends with today. Mm. But um, obviously I left there, and then you know went off and off. I worked on Horsham bearings, and while I was at Horsham bearings, I became working as a resident care worker. Yes, this yep. is we are we're now looking 10 years ago, so. I was resi care working without a, kids in out of home care, and and working for Horsham Bearings. Mm. So I was sort of working two jobs. Did that for a year, and then left there to go and work at um, at Uniting Women United Care back in the day to to as a resi care worker for about four and a half years, five years. Mm. So then being a drug and alcohol clinician for four four and a half years. Yeah, unbelievable. For you, for uniting as well so i ended up be doing some study getting a diploma in um, community services alcohol and other drugs and mental health mm-hmm. so it was about three years in total of different courses i did to get to qualifications for it all that's uh, quite a journey mate um like coming yeah. from yeah like geez there would have been let's let's go back to the the start of all that so there would have been a pretty big drinking culture in the building industry and also uh yeah uh, yep. you know, at Dalsons and so forth too. And obviously when you're sort of out of that, you're at sport and that's the same thing. Yep, yep. So sport-wise in town, I, was, I was obviously played football for a decade at a, at a football club. Yep. But it was, yeah, we'd play and then it would be on, you'd drink and it would be drinking until the Sunday would come up. Mm, every every so Saturday night? Every Saturday night, every Sunday. Yeah, so you get into a that's, Sunday as well. Pardon me? Get into it Sunday as well. 
Oh, for sure. As soon as the sun come up. Mm, unbelievable. Yep. unbelievable. Yeah, alcohol, alcohol and drugs as well. So it was a busy lifestyle um, for, and for very long, significant part of my life. Yeah, mate. And, and we'll just fast track a bit. When you got into the drug and alcohol cancelling, you were still sort of, you know, into the drug, sorry, into the alcohol primarily then? I was I was drinking, but I was more mindful of my drinking habits. You tamed back a bit, yeah. yeah cool. So more because of I, the stuff I was studying and the clientele that I was working with, it just didn't fit right that I was drinking how I was before I did all that. Mm, absolutely, yeah. You know, and then obviously working with kids in out of home care, same deal. You just had to be mindful of your drinking. Mm. Um, but I was more of a binge drinker by then. Yeah. So I didn't drink much during the week, but then when I was able to, it was on. Yeah, get into it. That's it. Makes sense. Yeah, on, on, totally on. So it was as much as I could drink for as long as I could drink, and how, in any way, what I could, I could get it. it was no, per- there was no like choice. It was just anything that had a hack on in it. Mm, unbelievable, mate. Let, let's let's take that back again. So a lot of that was masking a lot of that stuff that happened to you when you were a young bloke. I would say yes to that. So. Um, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. I was obviously self-medicating using, um, yeah, it's drugs. And my, obviously, main main source drug choice was alcohol. So, mm. and it would obviously, being a depressive drug that it is, it was a blocker for to hide the emotions that I was probably dealing with. Yeah. Um, this all come unfolded more later in on in life, but at the time, you know, I was definitely masking a lot of trauma that has happened to me over time. Mm. Um. You know, alcohol brought some a lot of issues to my, my lifestyle, mm. um, legal, financial, relationships, employment. It affected all aspects of life. Mm. Isn't it funny, mate, that these things just happen and they, you know, particularly back then, um, you know, we're the similar age, but these things are happening, but this like accepted by the community and then you maybe be, be labelled as being a you know, a dickhead or something like that, but no one actually really understands what was going on underneath. Um, no, no, yeah, and I was labelled as, as, as the mad one or a bit silly or a bit crazy. Yeah. Because um, I would have too much to drink and obviously I'd do things that would be totally out of character. Yeah. Um, and, of course, often every time I'm out, I'm drinking and I'm drinking in excess, heavily, heavily drinking. Mm. And it was, um, people would see it and then, you know, that's no one ever told me that I'm a goose on the piss. It only happened when after, this has only been recently in the last probably two years, that's where those comments were being made to me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even your own friends, you never said anything, so. Yeah, I wonder why that is, mate. Like, like, it's really interesting when you've got mates um, and, you know, I never really had anyone sort of pull me up. too much, no. uh, you know. You'd be labelled or something. Or do you remember doing this? Or do you remember doing that? But I had no clue. And um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. People, you, you would people would use the language of, um, oh, geez, he's mad on the piss. You know, mm-hmm. the language of, of that. When really, they're probably saying that that person has a drinking problem, mm-hmm. and it needs attention. But yeah, it's just the culture we have in in the country. I mean, the cities are just as bad. But it's just more highlighted into the country towns because yeah. it's just people just drinking excessively. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so easy to access. You've got bottle shops and you've got pubs everywhere, left, right and centre. That's right. It's uh, And it's so easy to get hold of. It's a difficult thing, isn't it, mate? When you're sort of trying to be aware of it and come off it and all your friends are doing it and you've got uh, to go past a pub or two on the way home and all that sort of thing, it's um, mm. it's a tricky, uh, a tricky thing to be able to overcome. But, mate... Um, 
we'll, 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 we'll talk about your journey sort of moving from it, but what were some of the things that stand out to you when you think about the things that you did when you were drinking that you may regret, but you know, I, I guess that regret's taught you something and you've been able to sort of move from that, I guess. There was many things that were regretful when I was drinking and, like, I mean, I, I mean I've got nine convictions from alcohol-related incidents. I've been to court 19 times. I've been remanded in custody because of alcohol-related incidents, mm. um, antisocial behaviour. There was weekend, weekend on and off. I mean, when it comes to being found drunk in the store in a public place, you're locked up and put into the cells for four hours and then, then off you go sort of thing. It was, you know, that, that was it. That was just the norm. Mm. Um, you'd regret a lot of things, but then you'd start drinking again the next day or the week later and it would just be all forgotten. Yes. And it was just, that was just how it was. Yeah. You never took responsibility or ownership of your actions. So I didn't, when it come to regret, I didn't, I felt like I didn't have any regret. I would just drink more and then just block it and just say, I I don't care attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reckless, very reckless and high risk behaviour. And um, so, I mean, there's obviously, there's a lot of assaults um, and a lot of things that I've done, done to certain property and people that you just, it makes me sick now thinking about it, you know. So... I was, you know, you get involved, you see, and you see a lot of things when you're drunk too, so that can affect you as well, yeah. you know, depending, depending on your friends group that you've got. Mate, you know, it's really brave and beautiful to hear you say that, but this is very, very common. Our prisons are full of people that have been able to act out, and really that acting out is because they've had trauma in their life that really wasn't their fault. No. You know, and yeah. you, you, you were, you're, you're no different. You had a lot of trauma in your young ages, which basically, you know, ended up being able to be consolidated through, through binge drinking. But when it's all around you like that at the footy club and all the, all the boys are doing it and they're punching on with other people and all that sort of thing, you want to try and fit into that culture because that's your tribe primarily. Yeah. And uh, when you're in that sort of environment... It's so hard to say, no, I'm putting the brakes on here, I'm stopping. Uh, yep, so yep. For me, sort of yeah, there was, yeah, when I met, I remember back in, in my mid-20s, I would often say to myself, I don't want to drink this weekend. Mm. But you never could get away from that. Yeah. You, oh. you, couldn't, you couldn't not drink. It was just really, it was too hard. You never had the skill. You never had the skill set to not drink. Yeah, that's right. Well, we were never we were never educated to, to, to be able to self-regulate and uh, to be able to understand where our mind's taking us so we can sort of peg that back and, and, you know, just get back to a sort of a calm, natural state of being again. But, you know, really, like, I'm, I'm like you. My mum was always thinking, oh, shit, you know, there's a piss-up coming up. I've got to go to that. Um, and then, you know, you might be playing footy and all you'd be thinking about in the third quarter was getting on the cans. Now, mate, it hasn't changed. I was at the local rugby here the other week and... The, the, the first game come off and there's a guy there with a carton handing cans out. Uh, and then these young guys come and sit next to me and they've got two or three cans in their hands. You know, mate, they, they've just stressed their bodies for, uh, for you know, a couple of, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is, and they're putting alcohol in their body, you know. Like, that is causing a lot of stress on all these organs, but also the, 
the the cells in the body which are trying to recover and replenish, and they're putting boost yep. straight in. And, and you would have been doing that, and oh, I did that, you know. Hell yeah, it's, hell it's, yeah. It's yep. crazy, you know. There's there's no real real uh, offer of responsibility from the sporting bodies to be able to help uh, address this and you know educate uh, people, I guess. Mm. It's interesting, mate. So yeah, so really, um, really, you know, great to hear you talk about that. I guess um, you know you've got uh, you know young kids now and so forth, and, and you want to be able to be a good example. But let's look back at the generations like your dad and his dad and his father and so forth. Like it would have been monkey see, monkey do, generation after generation, and um, you're doing something now to break the cycle, um, which is tremendous because you know your your kids will be able to see a bit of um, responsibility within yourself and they'll, they'll basically learn that it's okay not to sort of follow the same path. Would you agree? I'd say yes to that. My, I have a 21-year-old and an 8-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, so my 21-year-old, he doesn't drink much. But when he does drink, he has, he has a, you can see the signs in him that he probably shouldn't drink too much. Yeah. Um, he, he knows when to stop, though. He's, he's had a good education with alcohol mm-hmm. and the dangers as he grew up where I, and he's at a good age where they've been taught that at school and through education mm. where we we didn't have that so and i mean i now obviously with with drinking i mean my kids see what happens with me now and i mean it's not in our culture mm. um as in at home we, we we're we are involved with football clubs and we are involved with sporting different groups around town um you know and, and my youngest son is not exposed to culture of bulk drinking yeah. Um, and he hasn't seen, for example, his parents intoxicated. Um, he hasn't been sitting around at barbecues with intoxications going on and people that have been unwell from drinking or acting behaviour really that affect alcohol. Mm. So it definitely comes down to an education pathway. You've got to teach your own kids, mate. You can't rely on the system or the education that we have. You've got to, it comes down to your parents. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and you got to take a responsible attitude with it as an adult too. You know, that's my opinion. Yeah. Uh, that's with all drugs, not just alcohol. That's it's with everything: smoking, drinking. It's very loose. But, isn't um, it? It's very loose, mate. Um, yeah. You know, geez, if we were, we were in a room with uh, with ten people, there'd be probably seven that have got some shit going on. You know, and yeah, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's quite common. Um, you know, let's, let's talk about what, what happened to you with regards to uh, working in drugs and alcohol. Did you find that you were, I wouldn't say living a lie, but you actually like weren't really in alignment with what you were doing and probably you're in a much better position now than what you were back then? I would find, when I was doing the drug and alcohol clinician work, and I was also a forensic clinician, so I was working with post-prison clients, yep. and a lot of them, all of them, all of them had drinking problems. Yeah. Every single one I had, I had over 100 clients, 150-something clients I, in that five years, all of them, mm. alcohol was in their list of drug choices that they had. Mm. So as, as a worker, working with them in, 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 the, in that sector, I did find it challenging that, yes, I was a drinker and, yes, I was binge drinking myself on weekends. Mm. And that's where I started to highlight with myself, like, this is, isn't right. Yeah. You know, and I was, you know, through all that, I was able to educate and teach people different ways to be responsible drinking and looking after themselves, mental health support and stuff like that. Yeah. Awesome. But here I, here I am working with clients, and I was actually doing the damages to myself really, yeah. Um, yeah. on the on the weekends. 
and it was it was not and i didn't yeah it was definitely not a not a safe working place to be someone who if you're you know in that within that sector and then also drinking at the same time yeah at the level and at the levels that i was Absolutely, and it's probably very common in the drug and alcohol industry. And also, yeah. you know, we, we look we look serious at it, mate. Like, you know, look at the mental health industry in general. A lot of the providers of mental health services don't do much to look after the mental health of their people, of their staff. Yeah. They're getting quite traumatised and burnt out by what they're doing. You know, you're around people that are drinking uh, that uh, basically maybe triggering your emotions sometimes too because their stories are probably similar to yours. And, yep. uh, and then you're going and sort of self-medicating as well. And um, it can be really difficult. So I really believe, you know, employees in this space, if there's anyone out there listening that is working and it's got some responsibility in an organisation, listen to your staff and be able to understand what your staff need. Take time to say, what can we do better? You know, <clears throat> half a dozen words, what can we do better? And that really gives the staff some empowerment to say, well, look, I'd really like you to be able to do this because it really helped me as an individual and employee to be able to help our clients. But also, um, you know, just really take, take care of your staff and your people because at the end of the day, without them, you don't have an organisation. We take people for granted too much in the workplace. And uh, I just really believe that uh, if we start to flip that around and not wait for people to get to the EAP when they're burnt out or they've got an issue, be proactive and ask them, now, what can we do to support you? What can we do to help you and actually, you know, help them thrive? Because that yeah. creates a better yeah. world. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I, I find if um, with that, on that note of organisational support for our community sectors who are working there, is the vicarious trauma training. So anyone can do that sort of stuff online or they can do it in groups. Yeah. Um, to recognise when you're being affected by your workplace or it could, see some clients I was were okay with but others I wasn't okay with. Mm-hmm. Sex, sexual assault stuff that was not cool to work with but I sort of had to so you had to be mindful of vicarious trauma yes of of many many aspects of that, of working with AOD and the community services stuff so mm. yeah amazing yeah you've got to have you got to have the support I, I was supported don't get me wrong um, with, with what I was doing um, and it took a lot of unpacking. You had to unpack situations and being able to have clinical supervision with a, a third party yeah. just to talk about what you've just heard and listen to and what you've just had to do with certain clientele. Mm. Um, that's but that's okay. I, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the AOG sector and supporting people through their recovery of substance abuse issues and that. Mm-hmm. And um, it just it, I was just over it after five years, really. Good, mate. That, that's that's really good to hear that you actually like were able to be aware through that period and then sort of transition out of it. Mm. And now you're doing something that you really enjoy more. You, you're doing work in uh, the space of uh, helping kids uh, to, yeah. to to realign. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, I'm a navig- I'm a navigator case manager, so I work within young young people who are 12 to 17 years of age who have disengaged from school. Um, so they can disengage from the school for many different, um, you know, a variety of different things. I have a, a, all my kids are all mental health issues, so anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. um, trauma-based issues that have happened to them. Uh, there's bullying. There's not acceptance in the school sector because of biased opinions from different teaching groups. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, transportation issues. There's a heck, there's heaps. There's things like that, that some kids don't like certain subjects. So they don't go to school and they don't tell anyone, I just don't want to go because I just can't be bothered. But when they don't like a certain subject, 
So what I do is I'll work with them and the schools to construct a, a flexible re-engagement plan with the kids and the, the schools so they come back with the potential being hopefully to be being at school those six hours a day, five days a week. Mate, how good would that have been when you were at school if someone was there to sort of support you? It would have it would have been good to have someone there to talk to. So I, it's it's a bit men, it's a bit of a mentor program as well. So I do spend a lot of time one on one with these kids, mm. and they do tell me a lot of things that do bother them. So we just reflect and talk, and we do a bit of role play about how we can deal with things and how we can talk about it with people, and we connect them in with the right teacher, support person at school. Um, they might have had a good relationship with a year seven person at school who was a learning person. So they might be in year eight, so then we connect them back with the year seven person um, to try and get them to just say, all they want to do is to be listened to and heard um, and not directed. So some of the kids have behaviour problems, so it's okay. We just work out where they can fit in. So the education sector, it does shift and it is flexible for these sort of um, cohort of young people. And, um, and we can get them back to school. We just have to, just because we get knocked back or we have a bad day or a bad week, as a worker for them, I don't not get knocked back with them. We just regroup. Yeah, good. That's and go back and um, hit the ground running and try again. So You've had routine. A, I was yeah. going to say a bit of success with kids, mate, that have sort of uh, come out the other side really, really good and grounded. I have. I have. I've only been doing this job for 12 months, so... But in this 12 months, I have many, many success stories that I'm still working with mm. where I've got them traineeships, they've returned to school, they've left school for work employment, um, they've gone back to, say, do your VCAL, your VET programs, there's virtual schools in Victoria so they can do it from home by their computer. Mm. So you're working with their strengths. So if a young person's strength is the, is, is the computer, but they're just not too cool to go to school because of, say, bullying or legal issues. Uh, they might have anxiety problems that are challenging at the moment, but they still want to learn, so I'll hook them up with virtual school so they can still study for a few terms from home. Right. And they reconnect back to mainstream school, potentially. You, you so, having, I was going to say, mate, you having that lived experience would be so valuable for those kids. Yep, yep. And mum, their mums and dads care is whoever they're living with in some cases can have problems of their own mm. so as a navigator we might link them in with other family services mm. um we might look at some other some other model to try and support the families or the mums or the dads or the carers um sometimes the carers or the mums or the dads need someone to talk to as well so it's very much a collaboratively working approach so working together to try and get a good outcome mm. Mate, that's that's. It's, it is good fun, and it's it's a it's a um it's a contracted position funded, so it's not ongoing. But that's okay. Mm. I'm totally okay with that because you you know it's not like I go out there and prove my point. Mm. It's a recognised and it's evidence based that it's already happening. Mm. That there's already issues with kids that aren't returning to school, and now with COVID, it's it's even worse again. So. I'm, I'm just doing my job as much as I can and I mean, I'm not even thinking about if we get refunded to do the position because I know, I, I believe we will. Because yeah. it it's, it's a massive hole and it's a gap we have in our education system for some of these kids that do miss out on school. And the, uh, the outcomes would be significant with regards to uh, you know, cost savings and all that as well. So it's a no-brainer, primarily. Yep. When you think it's a no-brainer. No so, you know, it's and the whole job comes down to communication skills and I'll use the PACE model of work, mate. So it's the playful acceptance, curiosity and empathy mm -hmm. um, with the kids. So 
I'm not there to tell them what to do. It's, it's all about working with them at their pace. Mm. So my work ethics with AOD is transferred across to working with kids that are disengaged from school. It's the same model, mate. It's the mm. same thing. Unbelievable. It's just not working with drugs and alcohol. You're just working with other things, mate. Yeah, that's good. And, and you've been there and you really understand it, mate. I'm, I'm so so proud that you're able to, you know, fall into something that you've got such alignment with and be able to change the Well, it's, and, yeah. yeah, and it's great. And, the, and it's, the, the program's accepted into town. It's really good. And, um, you know, that's me now. That's what I do now. So I work on my lifestyle around that as well. I work from home with it. I don't, I don't have an office space. Mm, great. Um, so I'm outreaching schools, so I'm working, working with eight schools. Mm. Um, so it's a working role that works with the schools, the wellbeing staff, the, the homegrown teachers, the vice principals, the principals. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so she's, it's a it's a really good job. I really, really, really enjoy it. Mate, let's talk about your journey yeah. uh, of, of getting off the grog and starting to get into fitness and, and how that sort of evolved. Because I, I talked at the start of this about you doing some pretty uh, incredible athletic pursuits. And we'll talk a bit that as we go here. But you started riding a bike a couple of years ago, is that right? I've been into the mountain bike riding for a long time, as in riding bikes. I've always had a bike. Yeah. And I've always really enjoyed it, but I could never been able to do long rides because of the fitness or drinking or hungover. Mm-hmm. There's always something in the way that's really just a hurdle in life. Mm. And um, so probably a couple of years ago, I thought, because I got myself a nice mountain bike, and I thought I might just give a crack and get, try and lose some weight. It was my first game. And then I was turning from not drinking between three, four days a week, doing a lot of Ks on the mountain bike, but then come the weekends getting drunk for three days. Yeah. So I was fighting, I was fighting against, you know, the, the weights on one hand and the weights on the other. We weren't meeting halfway. Mm-hmm. And it was just the pathway of destruction in the end. I was, the binge drinking is what, is what caused me my, my main issues. Um, with my, it's, I actually was affected by mental health in the end. It's, um, it's what happened to me back in March last year, and um, which I had to get rectified and, and sort myself out. So I did then turn to exercise. Exercise is, is a free way of caring for yourself mm. um, and your mental health and your well-being at the same time. It benefits are getting fit. Mm. So I'm probably fitter now than what I was when I was 18. No doubt. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No doubt. Easy, mate. So my, 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 I have a road bike here now and a, and a mountain bike. So I've taken more of a role with a road bike riding um, probably more in the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. But I've taken the road bike more to the next level since Christmas last year. So how many Ks did you do in 12 months? Uh, last year I did just short of 10,000 Ks. Jeez, I thought it was eight, so that's, uh, that's, that's beating that. And you're obviously on your way to knocking that off again, is that right? That's it, yeah. So I've done 5,500 Ks so far this year. Yeah. And I'm, my, my goal this year is 12,000 Ks. Jeez, unbelievable. And I'm, 13, and I'm 1,300 Ks above target. Jeez, so you can have a rest if you need it, but uh, as we... I can, but well, I don't like rest days because I get too itchy Yeah, feet. okay. Yeah, good, mate. Yeah. Look, yeah. You know, and, and, and use the body while you can, uh, while it's working okay, you know, so... Um, well, it is. I'm really big on my recovery. So, and I know how many Ks that I need to do per day. I know how many Ks I need to do per week. Um, it's a great way to get me thinking about things that are positive and things that I can control when it comes to working with mental health and working with getting yourself better. Yeah. Um, so, 20, you know, 30, 30, 32 Ks I need to do a day. I need to do 224 Ks a week. 
So this I've been doing above two fifty to three fifty k's a week since last October. That's that's unbelievable. That's, that's, that's so yeah. That's that's as much as what uh, someone competing at a high level would be doing. I would have thought. So that's well, yeah. Tremendous. And I put my um, I I moved myself instead of riding on my own. Well, the the road bike I shifted myself out of my comfort zone and joined up with the local riding groups in town here. Great. And, and my strength and fitness and speed on the bikes massively improved because of these blokes, mm-hmm. um, male, sorry, these, it's male and female. So it's, it's a, the cohort of people, they push you along. Yep. Um, you work together. So I've gotten stronger and better because of them. So I don't think I could be where I'm at now without their, mm-hmm. their support. And the camaraderie is really good, mate. So that, it is, it is, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So we, we again, it's we have Thursday, Thursday. They catch up and we go out for tea and we drink. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm the only one who doesn't drink, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, but the drinking culture that they have, but what I'm used to previous in my life, is totally different. That's I mean, better. it's a, it's actually a safe drinking culture. Yes. Because you're you're actually with people who are who are heavily involved with fitness and looking after themselves, mm. um, and it's a space where I can go and talk to them of how I'm going yeah. with with my mental health or with my fitness and well-being or I might have something wrong with me, so I talk to them about it. It's not like I have to go out and do anything. I don't have to ride. I can have the day off. Mm. Mm. I'm in control right. of it, mate. Absolutely, exactly. And- this, this is one thing that I was going to touch on too and I sort of work with a couple of guys around this that are quite active and I know with myself I, I had to learn what happens if I get injured or what happens if I have an accident, will I get depressed? So I, I, I really worked hard on meditation to be able to give myself that balance um, yeah. because I know if you do have a prang or you, know, you do have an accident then all of a sudden you, you can't do what you love and all of a sudden the mind starts to get, get sloppy so, um, so yeah, it's something that we can have a chat about uh, later you're about helping out with that, yeah. Definitely, you're definitely spot on there. So if I, my plan there is if I have an injury and I can't ride, if I get unwell, if something happens and I can't ride, I can't miss a day, what I do there is I read um, things on mountain bike riding or road bikes. Mm-hmm. I'll, watch, I'll watch videos. I'll watch um, motivational things around mountain biking or road bike riding. Great. I'll read magazines, um, I'll ring up a mate and we'll talk bikes, or I'll fix my bike, I'll go out in the shed and I'll take it apart and clean it. Mm. And that keeps your mind healthy and keeps you active with a goal to go back onto the bike again. Mm. I've had, I, I, I was hit off my bike in January last year and it was actually quite traumatic. And the only way to get over that is to get back on the bike. So yes, I was cleaned up and hit off my bike by a car. Mm. I still went off and rode 40 k's that day. Mm. And my bike was broken, but I, I fixed it up when I got back. Right, unbelievable. Yeah. But but you know, it's just you know, I just I've always had a when it when it comes to your mindset, I try and get over things. Work. To, how can I fix it? Mm. You know, I I got the easiest thing we do to would be to sit down, say I can't this or I can't that. But I don't. It's I think it's the mindset. It's how you think about things, mate. Yeah. Um, you know, so if I can't ride my bike, I'm watching videos or I'm reading about bikes, mm-hmm. I'm reading a book, a book or something, so I'm doing something. Good. That, that's so, so great to hear, mate. You, you've sort of fast-tracked it because a lot of people are sort of, yeah, that, that's their whole life and, 
if something happens that they can't use their body, then their mind sort of slows down really quick. But you've, you've already got that preventative approach. That's 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 awesome. So yeah, well, look, I think Aaron that um, again, I was fortunate, mate, with being drug and alcohol cancelled, man. So I'm I'm probably doing I'm I'm actually cancelling myself. Mm. So I'm I'm giving myself this the you know the skills and the and the mindset to try and work through all this stuff about riding bikes, not drinking. Um, so I'm implementing, I'm implementing things into my life what I would do if I was had a client of my own, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great. You've got that awareness, and that's called like the undercurrent. But they call that in meditation. So that's your your undercurrent, which is actually being able to make you aware consciously of what's going on. Uh, yeah. And you're actually able to observe, you know, your, your thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and how you're going. And that's that's tremendous that you've actually got that awareness already, mate. So. Um, yeah, well, I've only just learned that in the last 12 months since March last year. Yeah. Um, it's probably a good space now to mention that I had, I did have a nervous breakdown and mm. um, I wasn't travelling too well and I was actually very mentally unwell. How long did that and, go um, for, mate? Did it last long? Uh, I'm still challenged with it all now. So yeah. uh, the main details of all the – I was diagnosed with panic disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety and depression. So I was very, very, very – unwell yeah. for about six to eight months mm-hmm. um suicidal it was that really really hard work so um i'm probably now the best place and space that i've been in in probably i don't know i could say 20 years right mm-hmm. Unbelievable. and it's not i've put it down to just routine structure continuous exercise not drinking um being there having making connecting with your loved ones family you know um having having good supportive group friends group before i still use lifeline mate you know yeah right um i'll I'll still ring them often just for just for a chat because it's a different it's a different person you're talking to it's not like it's a friend or or a family or you know it's someone that i can just ring up and have a chat Mm. tell them how i'm traveling and then we hang up and then i'm actually i feel a lot better yeah awesome mate you're able to release it out of the body and uh yeah disconnect from the emotions that are sort of staring around it does mate. it work, doesn't work for everyone but it, this is what works for me yeah that's and cool. um so that's what i do and if you know if i don't feel the energy to ride on my bike i'll walk mm-hmm. um i enjoy just laying still i enjoy just sitting laying on the ground i enjoy just it's probably a form of meditation like you've said before aaron like it's i just enjoy stillness mm-hmm. um and I'm not, I enjoy my own time. I'm not, you know, I'm not lonely. I, I like my alone time. Mm, yeah. So it just makes me think about me and how I'm going in that. And um, where in the past I drink, you just it would block it out, mate. Yes. One thing that uh, that, that you, you you've learned, you, you're obviously conscious of, is when you're cycling, you're connecting with your breath. Yep. And you know, when you're still, you're connecting with your breath. And when, yep, definitely. And when, yep. when you're connecting with your breath, your mind isn't going to the past or the future all the time, you know? No, no, definitely. Then you're spot on. I, and I recognise that when I'm on the bike, and I actually learned that from yourself, mate, when you regards to breathing, and mm. put your little plug there on your book. Thanks. <laughs> that I read. Yeah, yeah. It was the first book that I read in the last 12 months, and I learned so much from reading that book. Yeah. And, um, and I, 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 can, I know when I'm on the bike and I'm, or if I'm just a bit worked up with something, I just sit down in a comfortable position and breathing helps me every time. Mm, absolutely. Re, regrouping, breathing, refocus, and then off I go again, you know. Yeah. 
that's it. Mate. Some say, and, and a male, sometimes we just say, should we go stuff it? And then we'll go, if it's later in the day, I'll go and drink, mate. Mm, Blocking things out, it's just, has, it's just, it did it for, obviously worked, did it for years, but I just snapped in the end. So mm. um, it's not how I work anymore. Yeah, mate. You, you should be really proud of yourself, mate. I, I'm, I, I'm really proud of you and uh, from what I've observed with what you've done and it's just the start of your journey, mate. So you're going to be able to not only help yourself uh, to be, you know, more happy, healthy and well in the future, but you're going to be able to, you know, pass on some, some great stuff to other people. So, mate, in a small community like that, it's so important because, you know, you're sort of going against the grain quite a bit and if there's people doing what you're doing more often, then eventually there'll be cultural change. That's it. Definitely, definitely. And I, I, it probably won't happen in my lifetime. I'm not going to say anything there to predict the future with it, but mm. I'm only going to worry about what I can control with myself and my own family. Mm. And, um, you know, that's where it starts. I mean, I'm happy with not drinking, mate. I have not even thought about it. Mm. Do not even think about it at all. And I'm happy with not, not drinking. At, does, I mean, I might drink again one day, Aaron, mm. but it definitely will not be back to how it was. Yeah, that's right. You'll be more I'm, aware. You know, well, I'm 413 days alcohol-free now. I'm, I'm mm. 13 and a half months, mate. Mm. You know, and um, if anyone says, oh, how do you do that? You know, it's, well, you've got to try it to, to see <laughs> if you can do it first. Yes, that's it. I mean, I mean, anyone, I'll, I'll tell anyone, I mean, you, you go month, you, know, you just do bits of it. I'm actually working through with a mate of mine. He's just going through some tough times and, you know, it's it just, you just got to look at things that are week at a time. Then if it goes your week, then you look at another one and... I mean, I'm experiencing and dealing with things now without alcohol that I've never have done before because I've never drank. I've always drank since I was 18. Mm. Or younger. You have a shit. You have a shit day, Aaron. You, you drink. Mm, that's it. You break up from a. You break up from a, a relationship. You drink. Mm. You do something, um, something good yeah. happens. You drink. Something bad happens. You drink. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's and I'm happy, mate. Not drinking. I'm mm. dead set. I mean, mm. it's taken though. It's taken a long time for me to go to an environment and be there not drink yeah. it's because of my anxiety my panic disorder so i've just oh, spent my first easter just gone not drinking yeah. um last year i didn't drink yes but it was covid so i didn't have to be to anyone mm -hmm. covid couldn't have come a better time because i didn't have to see humans yeah, yeah. you know point. so but now so now we can see humans so i'm actually quite happy and relaxed mm. um you know i'm doing knowledge as power presentations at grade six level at school still um, teaching young kids about dangers of drugs and alcohol, you know, and, and I can sit there and stand and say, look, I'm a non-drinker. Mm. And um, I'm 46, 47 years of age, and I was a drinker, but I don't drink now. Mm. I don't promote to people, you should, I don't say you should don't not drink it. because it's no good for you. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I'm not here to tell people that because I'm just because I'm doing it doesn't mean you got to. Yes. You've got to choose to do it, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be something that comes within you, and uh, your body, your body will tell you, and you've got to be able to listen to your body, not the ego, I guess, too. And yeah, it takes if you to yeah. yeah, get to that stage. Mate, it works uh, for me, you know. I, I think it's it's within all of us. We've all got the power to do it. It's just a matter of finding the the tools to be able to support you and the people to be able to support you if you need it. I guess, mate. So. Yeah. Well, my family history has alcoholism in it, so it's not just come from me. It's extended, gone through. My dad hasn't drank for thirty-five something years, mate. Mm, right. uh, before then, alcohol was a massive problem in his life, and Mum was the one who said, "Give it up, Jeffrey." You know. Yeah. And um, so he has, yeah. he hasn't drank for a very long period of time. Mm. 
his his dad his dad my papa gave it up when he was 39 right unbelievable and he was the same problem he had alcohol problems right he had a heart attack at 39 mm. and um and then you look at uncles and aunties from both sides it's alcohol mate she's been a problem i mean I could sit and roll, you could roll off people you see drinking and you just go, they've got problems because they're drinking too much. Mm. Mm. And I, it's just, um, I don't like with people though, mate. Like people need to sort out themselves. Yeah, absolutely, mate. You, 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 you know, we all come from the same mould, uh, although yeah. all that mould has, uh, you know, gone generation after generation with that problem in your family. And um, yeah. that, that, that's common in, in, in a lot of families out there, whether that be alcohol, drugs or whatever, you know, that, or, or yeah. trauma. So trauma gets passed down through the bloodlines. And, it does, man. You know, particularly yep. with Indigenous people, we, we don't actually recognise uh, that, that, you know, the generation before them and the one before them and all of a sudden we're back you know 200 years where there was some massive trauma and that sort of all come through you know so mm. um yeah i'm really really um really happy that we had this conversation pete i think it's going to help a lot of people out there and well if um, you, anyone anyone is thinking about you know slowing down on their drinking or stopping i mean you're all they're gonna do is start with their gp um, or like, or they can just go and bring someone who that who is more of a mentor or respected friend, and say, I "Wouldn't want to have a crack at not drinking." Mm-hmm. And um, you know, if it wasn't for my mental health breakdown, you know, I don't know where I don't know. I was already planning to stop though before the breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the processes of trying to work out how I can do it, mm-hmm. um, and it just happened to. I, I was. And I just thought stuff, and I'm not. I'm sick of feeling like I am. Mm. I'm going to stop, and you know, as it's turned out, I needed help from my doctor and other supports and stuff because I went too far with it, mm. and I didn't get the right help quick enough. Mm. Come at the right time, mate. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I rode two hundred k's on my bike non-stop four weeks ago, mate. You know, and I would never have thought about doing that in one go. In one go, it took about six hours. You did it so And I mean, nah. <laughs> No, not a sore ass. I've got probably sore everywhere else. <laughs> okay, good. But um, no, the ass went numb. I didn't you know, feel nothing when you're numb. Yeah, I know. But um, no, it was just, I, and I'm always setting myself challenges, you know. I mean, this week I wouldn't mind riding 400k just to do it. For, for one week? Yeah, I'm, I've yeah. done it before. It's, just, it's going to be shit weather, though, so I wouldn't mind doing it because the weather's going to be yuck. Okay. Well, just, yeah, that's true. It's just weather. It's just water. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, last October I rode, um, I think it was 1,600 k's in one month. Jeez, unbelievable. Just as a, ta- just as a target, mm. as I wanted to do it, you know. It's amazing, amazing goals, mate, you know. Jeez. Well, it gives me something to do, Aaron, as well. It's, it's, I mean, if we go sit there and through life and don't set a goal for ourselves and try not to achieve little things, um, it's it's hard to sort of work out why you're, you're there. Mm. So I, I do smart goals, mate. So the small, measurable, you know, achievable, Realistic realistic time frame goals, mate. Yep, great. So I, I work on, I, so then it gives me a personal reward of what I've done. Mm. Mm. You know, I ride out to Lahara and Moz Kick on Thursday just because I wouldn't mind doing it. Yep. And um, it's only 35Ks, so it didn't take me much nowadays, but on my yeah. road bike, but yeah. I just wouldn't mind doing it, so I did it. You know, yeah. Oh, Twelve months ago, on my mountain bike, I rode to Matawa and back. Yeah, right. That's not easy with yeah. those thick wheels. And I did it on the dirt tracks. I didn't. I couldn't go on a sealed road. Right. Okay. So you went that on, was the, on the uh, on the gravel. 
on the gravel roads. And if it was, I happened to be anywhere near a sealed road, I couldn't ride on the bitumen. I had to ride on the dirt. Jesus, unreal. And it was just something I wanted to do. Mm, anyway, just all these little goals I set, mate. And that's what gives me, that just ticks me along at the moment. You've inspired me to do some things now. Um, you know, I'll and re- yeah. <laughs> What's that? Reading's another one. That's true. Absolutely. I've, I've, I have read that many books in the last 12 months. Mm. And it started with your book. Yeah, unreal. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, anyway. oh, mate, look, the reason, the reason I, I wrote that is because I just wanted people to understand that, you know, maybe what you see on the outside isn't always what, you, what, what you're getting. There's always something underneath a person. And, and for me to be back in the Wimmera, I, I wasn't drinking, you know, either. I, I had a good period away from all that and I was really clear. So I thought I need to start to do something because I was a bit like mm. you. I need to have a focus. So I just started to write that. And I, I could have wrote a lot more. Uh, and I just wanted to make it palatable for people in, in regional areas so they could actually understand it, you know. Uh, yep. There's some, some pretty heavy stuff in there. But um, also, um, you know, I believe uh, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a book within them. It's amazing, um, you know. The work that I do up here now, the stories I get from, from young people, what they've actually been through in their life is just absolutely incredible. But also the old man that's, um, you know, has, has got to the end of his life and being able to hear what he's been through. Everyone's got an incredible, incredible journey. You don't have to be someone with a profile or any of that. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And Well, and you've got to change yourself for yourself too. So. Mm. You know, you can talk to someone black and blue and tell them that they need to do certain things, but you need to have a purpose and a meaning. Yeah. And um, and I chose at the start. I had to, I had to get better, man. More, I wasn't well. Yeah. And my my behaviour and my relationship with alcohol was not sustainable. Yeah. 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 That's and it. I mean, you know, living in a country town, there's heaps of supports out there for us men and and women for issues around mental health and and drugs and alcohol. Mm. You know, you only got to connect in with your local service provider, community service provider, to find out where to go. Mm, mm, I yeah. just, you know, and, and connect with people that you get that you that you get positive feedback from. I mean, you know, you and I have had chats many times in the last twelve months, mate. Yeah, well, that that's you true. Know? I'm grateful that we can do that. You know, without judgment or any uh, any of that. Yeah, I, yeah. I just think it's important, and that's the fear factor that you would have had. You know, uh, growing up there, and that's the fear factor that I had in, embedded in myself till I was like in my late thirties. You know, around my, you're around your grandfather's age. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing, being able to sort of open up and talk about it, uh, it. It doesn't matter. People, people listen. They won't judge you. You just find the right people that, that can support you. You know. Mm. Remember, uh, remember in Horsham when I was a kid, there was a bus that you used to park opposite the uh, pizza place, Bull Oak Pizza there. Yeah. There was a bus there. It was like run by a church or something. I went up there one night, like on the way home from a, from a, from a blue light, and I started talking to this guy. I said, what the fuck's life all about? You know, like, and this guy is just trying to sort of guide me, but it had a religious slant, and I sort of couldn't buy into it at that stage. But I was searching for help, you know, at 16, you know, trying to yeah, sort of right. find, find some guidance back then. And, you know, yeah. so that was from a stranger. But you, you're doing that, you know, like, like being able to sort of go off and sort of talk to Lifeline, but you can call someone like me, you know, and talk about, you know, general stuff too and get some guidance around, you know, yep. any, anything that, you know, that, that may be able to assist you because people's experience, um, you know, is varied in, in many ways. But if you've got a blockage, the quickest way to get through the blockage is actually, you know, 
break through it. And the only way you can break through it is a bit of effort. And that, that might come from talking to someone or, or doing something with your body which sort of you know, breaks that, uh, that habit. And just getting into a routine, I think, is really important as well. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And it only took me this, just to go and say to, you know, just to my partner or my wife and just say, I don't think I'm quite right. Mm, good. And then that's how it began. And then that's how my story started. And then, I mean, I, I can drink, Aaron, don't get me wrong. I can, I, can, I could have drank again a long time ago. Yeah. But I'm, I'm still, I want to, I just think I can get a little bit better yet, or I'm in a change, I'm in a stage now where I'm probably more of a, an influence for some people. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm known around here for being a knucklehead. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then people see, I'm down, I've lost, I've gone from 96 kilos down to 78 kilos, mate. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. So I'm probably the lightest, nearly the, I was 76 when I was playing football. Um, fit, I mean, I've got a six-pack, mate. I never had one. <laughs> it's, 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 it hasn't come because you've wanted it. It's because it's come from work and enjoyment. It, it has, and I've really, yeah. and my, my cycling, there's no reason for it to stop. I really, really enjoy it. Yeah. I really enjoy the people I ride with. They're a very, very positive group of people. Mm. Um I've got a very good support network and I've got people I can call 24-7. Yeah, um, Lifeline for me is just, it, it's, I can ring them, I don't have to get, they don't ring back, I don't have to yeah. retell my story all the time. Yes, yep. They can just, I'm just ringing for a chat. And I might, you know, some, I haven't had a bad day now for a long time mm. and each day is very positive for me, but mm. I just know there's always someone there. You have to, you have to tell someone then. Yeah, you, you touched on something, mate, um, uh, I, I could never say to my wife exactly what you did, you know, because I, 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 I'd, I'd be judged. And, and well, that, I, yeah, I had to. Yeah, I had to in the end. And I just found that all my supports that I, I wouldn't say supports, but all the people around me would judge me. Yeah. So I thought I've just got to start turning right and take action myself, you know, to be able to heal myself because I wasn't getting it within the, the people that, that, that were around me, unfortunately. And... Um, and that's no offence or, or anything to them um, in any way. They, they probably were, you know, unable to, to, to really, um, you know, give me what I needed. But uh, you, you're so lucky that you've got a partner that, uh, that had the ability to be able to listen to you and, and understand you and um, yeah. you know, help you. Yeah, she's been great, mate. So I couldn't have done it without, without her. Yeah. Um, I could roll off. There's, but there's not many people that I have in my list of who are, who are a support. And... Um, the more it's talked about, the better I get, the better I feel as well. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I will always have anxiety. I will always have um, my um, panic disorder. And I was diagnosed with acute panic too, not just you. So I can have – and my panic disorders can still come. Mm. I just know how to deal with them now. Um, yeah. And my post-traumatic stress stuff, I mean, you just, you just learn, mate. You yeah. just learn how to deal with it. So – for, for me, my quiet time, I have probably an hour and a half of quiet time every day, and that's reading. I could be watching a motivational video. Um, I'll listen to some of your podcasts, for example. I'll connect, I'll connect myself with things that I can connect with. It's, yeah. I, I'm in control, mate. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Totally in control. So, I, yeah, I connect with things that make me feel okay. You don't watch the news? Uh, I don't really care about the news, really. <laughs> That, well, I don't that, take much notice, mate. It's taking things out of your control, eh? And, uh, the, I don't yeah. care. Look, I don't care, mate, about the news. Yeah. I worry about things. There's just so much negativity on the news. Yes. And I know we, I like watching the sport because I'm trying to work out who's won what. Yeah. 
um, and I'm a Melbourne Storm member and follower, yes, and I'm a yes. Brisbane Lions supporter and follower. Yes, I'm and um, Stephen Martin so, might be coming. You know, on I'm soon, interested mate. in them, but uh, I might be having yeah. Stephen Martin on soon, so that might interest you. Pardon's that? Stephen Martin's probably coming on this soon with a bit of luck, so yeah, right. You might say uh, you might enjoy that one. Yeah. <laughs> so I enjoy um I enjoy mostly your podcasts and um. Anything to do with mental health, men's mental health, um, we, we need to speak about it more in our society yeah. and especially in our rural parts of Victoria and obviously Australia. Yes. Suicide stuff. I mean, we've only just recently had another suicide up this way, we're down this way from you. I mean, things like that. People say they shouldn't be happening, but they do. Yes. Uh, I've been there. I've been there. I've been there and I've been on the pathway to go and do, and I had a pathway, I was going to do it, and you can say, you can give me a million dollars, man, and I was still going to do it. Mm. And I had my means, and I was there, but thank God, it's nothing's happened to me. And um, and I, and then what I've done in the, what I've done since, if I have those suicidal ideations now, I, I connect with someone, talk to someone, lifeline, um, I make it known, I don't sit there and dwell on it. Because yeah. it's, it's actually not a very nice feeling at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm okay to talk about it now when I, I couldn't have talked about it six months ago because it actually triggers me. Yeah. So, but I'm fine now. So. Yeah, mate, that, that's awesome. And yeah, um, yeah, you, like you, 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 you sort of like I, I sort of talk about it like we hit the bottom of a pendulum when we get to that stage, and the, the pendulum swing both ways. But we can sort of swing left and come around again. You know, if we've got the people yep. there that can help us do that. And, a lot of these poor guys that get to that stage don't have the awareness to be able to understand it and move through it. And that's it. You know, there's the guy. Yeah. I look. I and I've used this this story before and trying to teach a pathway with people before. I look at life as like a Ferris wheel, mate, and the the carts spin around. You know, the Ferris wheel will go up and then the Ferris will come down. And it's up to us to who we put on our cart with us. Yes. When we're going, whether we're going down or whether we're going up. Yes, that's a great, great <laughs> so, analogy, mate, absolutely. So that's the way I look at it. So if I'm having a down day, I'm th- and I know my day's going to get better, and my day down days can last for a week or two, mm. but who can I put in my car to make my Ferris wheel go back up is what I look at it like. Yeah, that's a great... So if I can reach out and just put someone in my, my, my Ferris wheel car to try and help me where I can, I connect with that person or that support group, and then... See if it can help. Mm, amazing, mate. And it, and it works for me. And the suicide thing, mate, I mean, mental health, I mean, the, if the more you drink, the more ideation comes in. It's just, mm. you know, people just need to work out how they can get themselves better. Yeah. That, um, before we see a drop in, in suicide and, and a drop in mental health and stuff, people need to talk about their problems. Mm. There's plenty of supports out there. Yeah. But the... We'll have to leave it there, mate. I think we might even have to, yeah, do, we might have to do a part two soon uh, about, about uh, some more stuff that we've touched on here because there's a whole other whole journey to go go on uh, with regards to what you've discussed, mate. But um, really grateful for you, for you coming and joining me. We've, we've gone for a good hour now. Hopefully people have come through the whole podcast and I really welcome people to give me some feedback on it. And I'm sure there'll be lots of people in Horsham and around the area that you know that will listen in and learn lots of uh of what they've um or what they may maybe not have known about you but you know what you've been able to pass on with regards to your own experience and your education and so forth and what you've been able to do as an individual is uh so inspiring to me but also so so inspiring to many people out there so 
Really appreciate yeah, cool. it, mate. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it, mate. Guys, um, what an, uh, an amazing journey here. What an amazing guy Peter Both has become. Uh, just an incredible inspiration to myself, but also a lot of people back in, in Country Vic and, and in Horsham for what he's been able to do. Um, hope you got some, some, some good content from Bothy being so raw and honest. I don't think a lot of people that know him would have heard any of that. So appreciate you listening in. Uh, if you want to send me some feedback, please do. Really appreciate it. Um, support at backmind.com.au. And uh, yeah, more podcasts coming. Got quite a few good guests lined up. So thanks for being here, guys, and supporting me. Cheers. See ya.